Hey, I'm Allison, host of Fine Cut, a podcast where a guest brings a scene they have strong feelings about love, hate, curiosity from any form of media. And then we discuss the heck out of it for 20 minutes. It's a blast. Join us. Hi, I'm Allison. Thanks for joining me for Fine Cut. Today, I have Amy Bobeda meet, meeting me. Well, that's actually accurate. Joining me, she is a friend of Ada that everyone knows from the Femon Collective. And Amy is an author, a writer, and a teacher. So Amy, what scene did you choose today and why? I chose the resurrection of Thing from Wednesday. Um, and I chose it for a few reasons. I originally watched the series because of the preview of the Carrie sort of revival moment mm -hmm. of the blood spilling and thinking there's going to be some sort of menstrual symbolism in this series. Mm -hmm. um, and there were, there were many clues and many things that happened that we can get into in our 20 minutes. But that really started to culminate in this beautiful scene that also, when you had an episode with Tanya talking about the whole series, that was also sort of this huge moment that both of you gravitated towards. Um, and for me, it was the combination of the magical and the real moments. Mm -hmm. that are part of the Adams family historically, but also um, like part of deeper human symbolism that I'm mm -hmm. very interested in. And I was also fascinated with the fact that it's a huge theme that the internet is responding to. Yeah. And you can watch, you can watch the cast, yeah. watch that scene. Um, yeah. And do they do it? I haven't seen those. Do they do it with the man who played thing? The... No. Okay. I'd be curious because <laughs> he is such a great hand actor. Like all the things that he does with thing, it's a, it's really helps you appreciate how expressive even the smallest part of us can be, you know, like he really embodies I, I felt so emotionally attached to Thing. And I, just did. I, I, yeah, I did too. And I think that's part of why that moment is so successful in a way of humanizing mm. Wednesday, who spends mm -hmm. the whole series so cold from the beginning. We're, we're told very clearly she does not cry. She no longer cries because of this incident in her childhood and then is going off on her initiatory journey of going to boarding school essentially um and so to me that became very clear quickly that the story was set up to the coming of age initiation and we of course see it with her roommate and wolfing out or on her yeah. own terms yeah. you know we see it with the love interest in a different direction. Um, and that for her, that moment where she takes things to fester, 
we think that thing is dead and she breaks and she she tears up and it's such this real full spectrum of human emotion moment and i think you're right that a lot of that comes with he's such a good hand actor <laughs> he is and to be so expressive i mean think about it it's this guy under a table mm-hmm. just using his hand uh to to essentially play on all of our human emotions um and visually such this great moment of you have a hand with a wound on it Mm -hmm. that is bleeding it's a vesica piscis (laughs) which is like in any sort of christian consciousness from the last many thousands of years it's going to be a wound it's going to be christ's wound it's going to be a vulva going to be how we enter the world it's going to be a mouth um and that it is in our psyches this like very deep symbolic Mm -hmm. image Mm -hmm. of life and death um which were it happening on like a non-magical creature Mm -hmm. i don't know that we would have the same feeling oh i don't think so I really don't. And it's funny because intellectually I was not thinking of all the things that you're talking about now, but I, when I rewatched the scene last night, the wound itself is very evocative. Like the way the wound presents is, is um, it's weeping, you know, like Christ's hands. And I had not thought of that. Um, but it is like, you feel it when you see the wound. And, um, and I, I mean, I, I really thought he was going to die which rarely do they pull off in a show. Cause you're just like, Hey, like everyone's going to make it. And I really thought, Oh my God, they're going to kill him. That's dark. Which is interesting for a show that is ostensibly very dark, you know, like, Oh, it's about the, you know, the under side of things, but not like, not like that, not where someone that we love and have become attached to is gone. Uh, and I'm glad he lived. <laughs> Me too. I was so Me glad. Too. I was, I was so much more stressed out about Thing dying and then about anything happening yeah, same. to any other character. Yeah. Um, which I think also plays on how the Adams family sort of works in our culture and works in our consciousness of they sort of get to playfully lay at the taboo you know mm-hmm. like one of the earliest adam family cartoons was it's either like a boulder or a cauldron dumping on on carolers which mm-hmm. they use in the um in the 90s film mm-hmm. like the opening of the 90s film but all of these things that we can't talk about yeah, yeah. they get to lean into mm-hmm. which to me in that scene is so exciting of this whole idea of leaning into a resurrection, mm-hmm. which we know is possible because thing is already from a magical world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he could have been 
dead when she, when she speaks to him because he really does see and it is magical that after fester has tried so many times to revive him her saying you know if you die i'm gonna kill you and then he tries again and then it works um uh and oftentimes things like that are used narratively our character reaches their lowest point or they reach a place where we didn't think they would be able to go and then they are rewarded i'm using quotes with like the return of something or someone or something beloved um so it was very like in that way it played right the way it should but i there was a moment where i thought oh maybe they're gonna gonna kill him and uh he is the kind of the emotional center of the show and i don't think i realized quite to the degree until that happened that in the way that hand is like the most emotionally accessible character in the show which is not what you would think no, I and I totally feel the same way. And it's like there's something about the fact that he's only a hand. We have no idea how Thing got to just no. be a hand. I know. We um, talked about it. Like how you don't know. And you just kind of accept it. Like, was he tortured? Was he, you know, just they found the hand? And how was he so communicative <laughs> and, with and everyone? That he's- yeah, and that he's just the loyal companion mm-hmm. throughout that sort of allows Wednesday particularly to be adventurous, to make mistakes, mm-hmm. but that in that moment that we think Thing is going to die, it's like part of her is going to die too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, it just spoke so deeply of menstrual symbolism of yeah blood death yeah resurrection this young girl being able to return to those feelings that she had locked away in childhood mm-hmm. to sort of accept this full spectrum being and really start to show that she cares mm-hmm. and show that she cares for thing which of course we know all along yes, yes. um and I also wonder if it's like, oh, because they can't make eye contact. It's a deeper connection for us as audience members mm-hmm. in and the think, same way. And she's oh, able sorry. to connect with him for that same reason. I thought you were going to say because they don't make eye contact. Because I think that because she is not required to impersonate normality or whatever, like she's not, so many people want something from her that she can't give. And, and thing is, unable to even ask for those that you know he's not looking for deep eye contact he can't and like the that is freeing you know it's like when you sit in a car with someone and you they tell you things they would never tell you if you were actually looking at them is that times like a million (laughs) um and he's so he seemingly is the most accepting of anyone in her life Mm -hmm. as well Uh, which is why yeah which is why i love him so much because that's what (laughs) you want out of people who proclaim to be committed to you and devoted to you you just want them to love you unconditionally and lots of times that's not actually what happens and i think it does with me and and you know that if he does die i mean she'll be changed forever like it's much more than her scorpion dying like this is a different different animal literally but also yeah figuratively <laughs> 
Yeah. And that, and that it connects, I'm glad you're bringing up the scorpion dying and then it connects so well to that, to the way that we emotionally connect to a pet, to an animal that we might be more vulnerable with them than, than with another, like I have a student who every week takes her projects home and shares them with her dog. And, and to me, there's something in that the relationship that she has with thing and that that thing has her back all the yep. time even even if thing is judging like yes he is your hand it's okay you're not my parents <laughs> um yeah yeah and that he gets to be this mysterious extension of her connection to home connection to the world that she lives in because she's clearly also not like the other students that are coming from their own communities and their own lineages. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of makes thing essential to. He, definitely. He is essential. Definitely. And I had not thought of it as a menstruation metaphor. So do you want to say anything more <laughs> about that? I can see it like the way you describe it and talking about like, um, kind of reclaiming those parts of herself that she had lost um I think and 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 I mean and when I thought about the wound you can also see like uh it's not unlike a George O'Keefe painting or plenty of other you know representations that we've seen um but I hadn't thought about that yeah um I mean it's a lot of what I do in my work right well I mean this is like right in in your space so (laughs) yeah locating locating menstrual symbolism and sort of understanding how overt and hidden menstrual Mm -hmm. symbolism is affecting personal and collective psyches and that in the show we had the very overt homage of the blood the blood pouring over the prom and she yeah. gives us that response of they couldn't even spring for real pig's blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we suddenly see this, this acceptance because, of course, the Adams family thinks that everything taboo is cool. Mm-hmm. So she is opening up this world of menstrual initiation as safe and accepted as opposed to taboo. And then we get to such this beautiful like you said the wound is weeping it's a perfect vesica piscis um what is that word makes... you've said it twice and i don't know oh i'm guessing vesica what it means piscis. but you just explain it, it. Is... <laughs> um in in geometry it is the intersection of two circles mm, okay so it it becomes a vulvic shape that if you flip it on its side it's Christ's wound Hmm. um and I think it's it Robert Duncan the poet writes about Mm -hmm. it in the HD book which is his biography of the poet HD um and she was Morovian um which was a specific sect of Christianity in which the leader built this like giant um, side wound of red fabric that people would walk through to re-enter the womb <laughs> um, and sort of this like pairing of the wound and the womb as one. Uh, and then 
his followers would paint these beautiful prayer cards that were of wounds and wombs and vesica piscai. <laughs> um, oh, and story. so thinking, yeah. And so thinking about how, how that symbolism works on us mm-hmm. at many levels. And that was mm-hmm. thing we're actually looking at a hand yeah. with a wound, which for so many people is yeah. such intense Christ imagery, which is all usurped from like Sumerian imagery of mm-hmm. Anana who goes on the same three day death resurrection cycle as Christ probably thousands of years earlier. Uh-huh. Christian, um, this is like a great homage to uh, things that came before. It is. It is. And, and like Christ becomes the image of cyclicity of death and resurrection, mm-hmm. which of course is a magical death um, yeah. because you come back from the underworld, which to me was such a clue about thing. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. because, because thing was already living in a magical world. Um, I teach a lot of work with fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And so it, it always makes me think of Bluebeard and the story of Bluebeard and people are like, oh, he's just the wife murderer. Yeah. But because the key bleeds, you know, it's a magical story. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's an extra component and so I think that that is part of what's so powerful in that scene. Even though it does feel very real that thing might die and mm-hmm. then Wednesday will fall apart. Who knows what will happen? For me, there was still that little part of me that's mm-hmm. like, but thing is already magic. Right. So magic is a sort of foreshadowing that what is going to happen is not going to follow the rules of logic or you know, the world as we understand it. Like when magic is introduced early on, it, it yeah. leaves those options open to us. And it doesn't feel like it's like a deus ex machina. Like it doesn't feel like, oh, they just showed up and they just like saved us. And this doesn't feel grounded in some kind of world that they've established. And it did work for me. I mean, to speak to that, like I didn't feel like, oh, of course they just bring thing back to life. How convenient. Like it did feel rooted in the world they had created. And I may, and may not be consciously that I was thinking he was magic, but it just felt like, oh yeah, this, this could happen because we don't know how he, we don't know his creation story. We don't know what he eats. We don't know how he survives, you know, like we don't know anything. So it does leave the options open, wide open for his existence. I had never even thought about the fact that we don't know what he eats, <laughs> no. how he survives. No. Um, or how he breathes. And, I mean, through his skin, or, I guess, you know, but it's just kind of like, hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But similarly, at the same time, he's resurrected by Fester, who is also a semi-mysterious family member. Yes. Very well done. Who also here. has a magical, mm-hmm. very well done, who mm-hmm. also has a magical power. Um, and then it, it's also waking up anything that we're thinking about Frankenstein yeah. and reanimation and sort of playing on that historically. And I think that deep human desire to be able to resurrect life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, any la- that was that's a great place to, I don't know if you can really top that, but do you have any other 
thoughts you want to share? It's really, it's, and for me, of course, I want to like know if they did these things intentionally, which you don't know, but it's like, I'm so curious because I see everything you're talking about. And for me, the blood was Carrie, which obviously is mm -hmm. King book, which is obviously a menstruation metaphor, but I hadn't really <laughs> put those together. You know, it was just like, oh, this is like homage to Carrie. Okay. You know, but um, I'm glad you brought up that too, that she gets the blood poured on her. And like, it, it does feel like it's all there, but it's very like, um, sub. it can be, su it's almost subtextual. Like it doesn't feel like, you know, that's the intended, like it's a teacher. Totally. Totally. And, and we're, living you know? in a, we're living in a culture where it, it, it's totally okay to tell the story about the, the girl who's late to puberty because she hasn't wolfed out yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or the guy whose puberty is leading him to transform into this creature that he can't remember and is highly dangerous. But then when it, when it comes to the like emotionally guarded mm -hmm. traumatized young woman and all of these blood images that has to be deeply coded and that's right. the culture we live in right because I do feel like it's deeply coded I mean would you agree that it is like oh, yeah. I, yeah I get that it's there now that you point it out but I don't think I mean I watched it with my family no one was like wow did you see that uh you know did you did you get what was going on there? And like we are that way a bit. Like we do kind of try to decode things, but yeah, it's I think also it's hidden in it's hidden in like the carry reference. Or even if you're thinking the hand is a metaphor, I think Christ would be the thing we would think of first as a culture, um, not a vulva, because we're not thinking about them <laughs> except except if, only if we're like making laws about them that's the only time we're thinking about them and then we definitely yes. don't want to think about what they look like um oh no you know <laughs> that's just uncomfortable uh so this was so enlightening and interesting and I'm so glad that you chose the scene because I didn't know why you chose it I was actually like oh I thought she was just gonna pick something about menstruation because for those of you who don't know Amy this is her like field of research and writing and like this is and you can listen to her on Ada's poetry theater they talk about her work in depth there and so I thought oh I'm she's gonna pick something I don't know what I imagined that would be but <laughs> I I was just interested to see I was like, oh, what menstruation scene is she going to pick? And we have to wrap. But is there a menstruation scene that you like? Like, I don't think of menstruation as very well represented. Like, there aren't, like, ones that jump into my mind. Um, There aren't. But there was something in, to switch gears, last yeah. season, um, ABC's Station 19. Oh, yeah. Good old Sean the Land. Yeah, yeah, Always. Yeah always covering the spectrum of reproductive health and there is a beautiful scene there where a male firefighter tells a little boy after his sister gets her first period that she won't die mm -hmm. and it happens every month because mm -hmm. women are stronger than men mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um oh, that's nice and the last of us this season that was one where she gets the um the what's the cup what is the thing that, what are the, I've just am blanking, you know, the cup. The diva you, cup? Yes. <laughs> like I'm demonstrating for the people who can't see, <laughs> pinching it. Um, so you can put it inside. Yes. She gets a diva cup. So that was, 
the first representation I've seen of that. So um, anyway, okay, Amy, if people want to know more about all of your work, this has been a great teaser for all of your work. Where can they find you? Um, my website is Amy Glenn with one N Bobeda.com. And I am at Amy Bobeda on Twitter. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was such a fun conversation. And for you people out there, like, share, subscribe, review, do all the things because we're so happy to be doing what we're doing and we'd like people to hear it. So Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Amy. And I'll, we'll see you next time. We're not see you, hear you. Okay. Bye.